McShane Bible Study, day 152, and we're starting in Deuteronomy 5. And this is, you know, in Moses' big speech, reminding them of what happened in the past. He's going over uh, the, you know, the holy mountain where the Ten Commandments were given. And, you know, the, the first five commandments are all about honoring God right? Uh-huh. The next five are about others, our relationship with other people, right? If you think uh-huh. about what Jesus said when he said, you know, he's asked what's the greatest commandment, he said, honor God with all your heart, all your might, all your, sh-, you know, all that, and uh-huh. honor others as yourself, right? <sighs> so it's basically the first five commandments and the next five commandments. Um, the, uh, and this gives a little bit better explanation of what happened when the people decided not to come up the holy mountain. God invited all the people up the mountain, but they they said no. In verse 4, it says, The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain out of the midst of the fire while I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire and you did not go up into the mountain. So they were invited. They just said, no, we don't want to go. And so God said, okay. And he even said, there's a certain aspect about this is good. They fear me, right? We're going in 27. Go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you and we will hear and do it. So that's the people telling Moses, go up the mountain for us, right? That's, that's, Somebody telling a, uh, you know, uh, a pastor or whoever, he, <laughs> you check off the religious boxes for me. I'm going to just kind of live and, and be, you know, be here. 28. And the Lord heard your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the words of this people, which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart as this always to fear me and to keep all my commandments, that it might go well with them and their descendants forever. So he said, if they always had this awe and wonder at who I am, this would be a, a, an incredible place. But, but this is not what it's going to be. So he says, go and say to them, return to your tents. 31. But you stand here by me, and I will tell you the whole commandment and the statutes and the rules that you shall teach them. So he says, I will give you the deeper things. I will give you the fuller understanding. You will come be joined with me. You know, we know from these interactions, his face would glow from just being so close with God, right? So it is in this day that he calls us up this holy mountain. Who of us want to come up the holy mountain to be at one with God? And let's see, rules and teach them that they may do them in the land that I am giving them to possess. 32, you shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you that you may live and that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. So he's offering blessings. He said, walk in the way 
that I am showing you, and you will be blessed beyond measure, right? More than you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Just walk in this way. I am supreme, and I want to make you my people. But I need you to learn my ways, to walk in them, right? That's our contract with God. It always has been. And then we look at Psalm 88. And this is a psalm of, it's probably pronounced like Heman or Hemon or something like that. <laughs> there, was a, there was a cartoon superhero named He-Man when I was a kid, <laughs> which the author probably got from this. Uh, but he's, he's crying out to the Lord. So in the very first couple of verses, he's crying out and, and acknowledging the Lord. But he spends the rest of the psalm just kind of complaining about how difficult things are. And whereas most of the Psalms will turn to the Lord and say, I trust in you at the end, he doesn't. <laughs> he just kind of leaves it hanging there like, God, I am, everything is terrible. Everything's against me. I need you, God, right? And uh, well, that's the Psalm. And then we're looking at Isaiah 33. And... Um, we have a vicious destroyer, and LT says it's Assyria, which seems right. Um, and so he's he's kind of talking about uh, judgment upon that way, that vicious worldly way. But and then he goes back and forth, and he talks about the Lord is exalted; He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. He will be the stability of your times. That's a that's a good word because so we have uh, obviously if you're if you're in a country and Assyria is attacking you and overwhelming you that's tumultuous times right but he says who will be the stability the Lord is your stability and so it's going back and forth between this picture of the Lord blessing and then the judgment on the destroyer um, verse fourteen says the sinners in Zion are afraid. Trembling has seized the godless. Who among us can dwell with the consuming fire? Who among us can dwell with everlasting burnings? So I thought this is a cool picture. We just read recently, was it yesterday? In Deuteronomy, uh, and then also in uh, Hebrews 12, it talks about the Lord being a consuming fire, right? And then today in Deuteronomy, Moses said, you were afraid to go up because of the fire, right? You were afraid. The loud, you know, the loud thunder, the fire shaking. You didn't come up into the presence of God, even though you were invited. It's a, it's a scary thing to die to ourselves and leave everything that we know in the natural and give it all up for him, mm -hmm. Right? That's what we have to do to, to go up this mountain. We have to die to everything. Well, dying's not fun, right? Mm -hmm. To give up everything for him. He says, the sinners in Zion are afraid. Trembling has seized the godless. Who among us can dwell with the consuming fire? I thought that was kind of cool. And then it goes... Uh, verse 20, Behold, Zion, the city of our appointed feast, your eyes will see Jerusalem, an untroubled habitation, an immovable tent whose stakes will never be plucked up, nor will any of its cords be broken. 
Well, that, that's an interesting word because we know Isaiah himself prophecies that Jerusalem will be overrun. We know it was overrun, right? But here he says the stakes will never be pulled up. This is talking about heavenly Jerusalem, right? Mm-hmm. The city of God that we are called to be inhabitants of, the kingdom, right? But there the Lord in majesty will be for us a place of broad rivers and streams where no galley with oars can go, nor a majestic ship can pass. So here he's talking about it. Well, if there's a river, then surely uh, a, a galley can row up it, right? But he's saying, no, these are spiritual truths. These are spiritual realities. 22, for the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king, and he will save us. goes on saying, no one will be sick. Their sins are forgiven. This is the kingdom that Isaiah is prophesying. This is the reality that the Lord is inviting us into. And we're wrapping up with Revelation 3. And I didn't have a lot to say about uh, Jesus' words to the church in Sardis or the church in Philadelphia, because he's given these seven churches' words. Uh, I did like what he said at the end of uh, Philadelphia, because it's similar to what we were just talking about. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Well, that's a really cool thing, right? If we're mm-hmm. to be a a temple of God, you know, we're all living stones, Peter teaches, right? Mm-hmm. But he says, the one who overcomes, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Well, this is an important, load-bearing, uh, beautiful mm-hmm. part of a temple, right? He, he's showing, uh, he's saying, I, I'm looking for ones to, that will come up my holy mountain, right? Those who will take on my character, my likeness, who I am, my wisdom, my truth, so they can share it with others. I will make you a, a pillar, right? Never shall he go out of it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. The new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. That's a powerful mm-hmm. promise, right? This is not a promise made to every Christian. It's a promise made to some. You see mm-hmm. that? That flies in the face of modern Christianity, but that's the Bible. Um, and it, th- that reality is, is shown in multiple places, and we see it again. We see it in... Uh, how the people responded to the call of God in the time of Moses. He's He wants those who want to give everything for him. And he's talking to Laodicea, and that very much is a an accurate picture of much, perhaps most of the church, at least the Western church today. Uh, this church in some part of the world, it's not like this at all, because they're persecuted for being Christians. So, no one's a lukewarm Christian because you get thrown in jail or beaten or killed for being a Christian. When that's the reality, there's no such thing as lukewarm. Why would you decide to be that if that's how you're going to be treated? You are a passionate, fervent believer. <laughs> if to choose that life means difficult, that kind of extreme difficulty, right? But in the West, it's, well, I mean, he describes it. I'll read starting in 15. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. 
So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire. So he says, you're, you, you, you feel rich because you're prosperous in the worldly things, right? But you don't realize you're really poor because you could have so much more of me, but you're not interested. He said, I counsel you to buy, take what you have and give it all to have more of me. Gold refined by fire. You know, gold is refined by fire through this this discipline, right? This melting down and purifying. He says, choose this life. Not that we... Sometimes we can discipline ourselves, but I don't mean we don't we don't try to hurt ourselves. Um, but he takes us through disciplining, right? So that you may be rich. Rich in what? Rich in his life, right? And white garments, so that so that represents purity, purifying yourself, being righteous, so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. So he's saying, you know, he keeps saying throughout, whenever he talks to any of the churches, for him who has eyes to see, let him see. He's saying, go through this process that the scales will be removed and you'll be able to actually see what's truly going on. 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So again, he's saying this. It's mentioned multiple times in the Bible. Certainly we just read it in Hebrews. If we're loved by God, then we're reproved and disciplined by God, right? It's part of it. If we don't have that, we're far from God. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. So again, we see a beautiful invitation and promise for the overcomers. What a glorious thing to sit on the throne with Jesus and the yeah. father, right? Um, he's saying, look, this is all open to you, but you must choose me. Now he lifts us up. We can't just say, well, I'm sitting on the throne with Jesus, right? That's not our place. Our place is to say, Lord, I want to die to myself. I want to live for you. I want your will for my life. Not whatever I thought I would do with this life, but your will and yours alone. I want you to make me new. I want you to lead me. And whatever he shows us where we need to repent and turn, we repent and turn, right? <clears throat> and we continually live our day thinking, Lord, what are you doing? How are you at work? So we're continually practicing the entering into a kingdom life rather than just seeing life as the worldly life that's around us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Father, help us to live this life. Help us to live with you, to know you in all that we do, to be led by you. Bless your holy name in us. Thank you, Lord. And that's all I have for today. God bless you. God bless you.
Sure. And I'm going to make this take a while.